Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Not too long ago, we finished the Torah. Everybody say Torah. Torah. Who knows what the Torah is? The first five books of the Bible, right? Okay, so who can remember the first five books of the Bible in order? Y'all don't even need me anymore. We could just go. <laughs> you guys are awesome. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And you know, today, uh, we're going to take a little trip back into the Torah. Is that okay? How many of you like reading through the Old Testament? I used to not like reading through the Old Testament until I read the whole thing. And once I finished reading the whole thing together with the New Testament, man, I love reading through the Old Testament. I really, really love the first five books of the Bible because it sets the stage for uh, really knowing who God is. And it actually begins to set the stage for Jesus Christ to come um, in in the New Testament, right? So we're going to take a little trip back to the Torah. And we're going to learn something very, very, very wonderful today. How many of you like wonderful things? I like wonderful things. And today we're going to learn something wonderful, right? And I'll just say this. Um, it's not just wonderful, but it's very, very powerful what we're going to learn today. This, the understanding of this can literally change the trajectory of your life. Okay? And I want us to really open our hearts and minds to learning today from the Word of God. And I want to encourage you to do something else too. Take it a step further, and this week, go to a discipleship group to keep learning together in our, in our learning community. Cool? Who here likes symbolism? Does anybody like symbolism? Who here is bothered by symbolism? It's like, I don't want to figure it out. Okay. <laughs> who, who likes, does anybody like to try to figure out what symbols mean? I'm going to give you a few, and before you put it, I'm going to give you a few, okay? And as soon as the symbol pops on the screen, I want you to tell me what this symbol stands for. Ready? Number one. If you live in metro Atlanta, you definitely know what that one means, right? Chick-fil-A, the holy Jesus chicken, right? My, my pleasure. Very good. Very good. I look at that sign and I, that symbol, I think, my pleasure. Eat more chicken, like the cows tell us, right? Oh, I, could, I, I literally can smell it when I see that symbol. That peanut oil, right? And, oh, sorry, they're closed on Sundays. All right. How about this one? I knew I'd get that. <laughs> Our World Series champion, Atlanta Braves, right? Woo! This is a symbol of bravery, right, uh, as they go against their enemies. How about this one? This is a little different. Anybody know what that is? Airbnb. Airbnb stole it from the Trinity. All right. Now, this is the Trinity, Okay. 
It's three in one and one in three. Father, Son, Spirit. Okay? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. Um, have you ever wondered as you've read through the Bible or heard the stories from the Bible what things in the Old Testament tabernacle might have meant? Okay? Uh, because the Old Testament is full of stories and symbols and types. And one of the things that's so wonderful and marvelous and powerful is the tabernacle. Everybody say tabernacle. We learned about tabernacle, the tabernacle back at Christmas, if you were with us. The, the tabernacle is a place where God, his presence, what? Dwells, right? Where his, his presence dwells. And, and God, God told them to construct a tabernacle for his presence. It's a place where they would bring their sacrifices and worship. Have you ever wondered what the things in the tabernacle mean? Has anybody ever wondered? And if you haven't, that's okay. You're going to find out today. Has anybody ever wondered what the lampstand, you guys remember the lampstand in the tabernacle? You're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Don't worry, we're going to read it. The lampstand in the tabernacle. Has anybody ever wondered what that, what that means, what it symbolizes? I think a lot of times we read through stuff in the Old Testament and we don't really uh, uh, know how to apply it to our lives. But today I want to teach you, in fact, I'm going to go ahead and give you the answer because the title of our message today is Knowing the Holy Spirit. Knowing the Holy Spirit. Turn to somebody and tell them gently, you've got to know the Holy Spirit. In fact, why don't we just take, let's take 10 seconds and invite the Holy Spirit to come and teach us. We, we thank you that you're the spirit of truth, Holy Spirit, and you lead us into all truth. And today, we surrender our hearts and our minds, and we pray, Holy Spirit, teach us to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to read from Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. Just a little bit, don't worry. Let's go to Exodus chapter 25. In fact, if Mr. Page, you could join me here real quick. Um, he's going to help me read here in just a minute because I'm going to do something but first, I'm, I'm, I want to read. I want to read Exodus 25, uh, verses 31 through 37. Are we ready? I want you to follow along in your Bible or on the screen. It says, "Make a what? Lampstand of pure hammered gold. Make the entire lampstand and its decorations of how many pieces? One piece. All right. I'm going to see something very important here. It's one. The lampstand was." It ended up just being one piece, okay, when it was put all together. The base, center stem, lamp cups, buds, and petals. Make it with six branches going out from the center stem, three on each side, all right? So the center, and then on each side, three. Each of the six branches will have three lamp cups shaped like almond blossoms, complete with buds and petals. Craft the center stem of the lamp stand with four lamp cups, uh, uh, shaped like almond blossoms, complete with buds and petals. There will also be an almond bud beneath each pair of branches where the six branches extend from the center stem. So you're seeing there's one stem in the middle, and then there's three, and they all go out from the center. The almond buds and branches must all be of one piece, very important, with the center stem, and they must be hammered from pure gold. Here we go. Then make what? Seven lamps. Everybody say seven lamps. 
seven lamps for the lampstand and set them so they reflect their light forward. Now, I'm going to come over here, and I want you with your very best teacher voice to read slow and um, sixth grade level. Okay. Okay. College level, please. I'm just kidding, guys. I want you to read Leviticus 24, 1 through 4, and you guys can follow along, and then Numbers 8, 1 through 4. The Lord said to Moses, command the people of Israel to bring you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to keep the lamps burning continually. This is the lampstand that stands in the tabernacle in front of the inner curtain that shields the Ark of the Covenant. Aaron must keep the lamps burning in the Lord's presence all night. This is a permanent law for you, and it must be observed from generation to generation. Aaron and the priests must tend the lamps on the pure gold lampstand continually in the Lord's presence. Numbers 8, 1 through 4. The Lord said to Moses, give Aaron the following instructions. When you set up the seven lampstands in the lampstand, or the seven lamps in the lampstand, place them so their light shines forward in front of the lampstand. So Aaron did this. He set up the seven lamps so they reflected their light forward, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. The entire lampstand from its base to its decorative blossoms was made of beaten gold. It was built according to the exact design the Lord had shown Moses. This is a much smaller <laughs> representative version of what? Does anybody know what we call this? What? Menorah, right, okay. Um, you'll see this around, uh, anybody know? Hanukkah, okay, as a decoration. But most people have no idea what it means. We have to understand, you know, you can jot this down and look it up later. Hebrews 8, 5 tells us that everything in the Old Testament tabernacle is a shadow of the real one in heaven. Okay? Hebrews 8, 5. Everything we see in the Old Testament tabernacle was a shadow or a reflection of the real one that's in the spirit, okay, that's in heaven. So everything we see in the Old Testament tabernacle actually expresses a spiritual reality for us now, okay? Uh, we shouldn't overlook these things because everything in God's word is there to show us something about himself, Okay, so the Old Testament 
the Old Testament tabernacle is a shadow of the real one. Okay? Each item in the tabernacle represents a spiritual, uh, a spiritual reality. Let me give you a few examples. Okay, in, in the Old Testament tabernacle, we had what was called the brazen altar. Okay? Anybody have any idea what the brazen altar represents in the spirit for us? It's the cross where the blood of Jesus was shed. The altar where the sacrifices were brought, the blood was brought into the presence of God, right, to atone for our sins. That represents the cross of Jesus Christ. In fact, it was the first thing they had to come to. They first had to come to the brazen altar because in order to come into the presence of God, there must be a sacrifice. There must be a payment, right, for our sin. And then a few other things. I'm not going to go through every single thing in the tabernacle, but just a few more to help us get our, our, our mind around this. Um, there was also the priest had to come and wash in something called the laver. Okay, the laver represents, anybody know? The labor represents our sanctification, right? The labor represents where they, they would wash. It represents that we have to, we have to wash, <laughs> right? The, the muck and the grime of the world off of us, okay? And uh, a few others. Let's see. There was the, the, the table of showbread, okay? So in there in the tabernacle, there was a table, and they would put out fresh bread, and it had to stay fresh constantly in the presence of God. Does anybody know what the, the showbread represents to us? It's the Word of God, okay? The Word of God. It's man shall not live. We don't live by bread alone, but by every word of God, every word that comes from God, okay? So the bread represents the Word of God and our need to, I heard somebody say communion. Well, yes, it's part of, uh, of what we partake, our meal, right? Our relationship with God. One more. I always thought this one was a little strange. How about the incense? Does anybody know what the incense represents? It's worship and prayer, okay? It's worship and prayer. It's what you know, incense is a, a sweet smell that rises up and fills a room. Well, did you know that your life, when you worship the Lord and you pray, it's like a sweet smell that goes up before God in His presence, before His throne? So there's so many things um, that, that we can learn from the tabernacle. But today, I want us to focus on the lampstand and, uh, you know, the, the lamps or the candlesticks. Um, again, I've already told you, but does anyone know, not what, but whom the lampstand represents? He's the Holy Spirit, right? The lampstand represents the Holy Spirit. I find it interesting that it had to stay burning all the time, day and night. It was never allowed to go out. And that's what God wants for us. He wants His Spirit to burn bright in us day and night and never, ever be allowed to go out. He's the one that brings us the light, right? Revelation 4. We prayed through this this morning in our 1015 prayer. By the way, everyone's invited to prayer every Sunday at 1015. We prayed through Revelation chapter 4. You say, 
I'm not yet seeing the Holy Spirit. Just a moment. Let's look at Revelation 4. We're going to read verses 1 through 5. Then I looked, as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven, and the same voice that I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, come up here, and I'll show you what must happen after this. And instantly I was in the Spirit, and I saw a throne in heaven, okay, and a, uh, and someone sitting on it, okay? So what's happening here is it says that a door opened up. So in other words, now we can see into the Spirit because the door is open, right? So we're, we're getting a glimpse of heaven because there is a, a door that was shut. It's open right now, and we can see right into, into heaven, okay? And I saw a throne and someone sitting on it. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones, like Jasper and Carnelian. And the glow of an emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. We're looking literally at the glory, the shiny glory of God, okay? Twenty-four thrones surrounded him and twenty-four elders sat on them and they were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their heads. I feel like we sang a song about that this morning, right? From the throne came flashes of lightning and the rumble of thunder. And here we go. And in front of the throne, where was it? In front of the throne, just like in the tabernacle, the light had to shine forward. Okay. In front of the throne, I want you to see this. Okay. It goes before him. Light shines out from him and before him. It says, in front of the throne were seven torches with burning flames. This is the sevenfold Spirit of God. Wow. Listen, even as I read this and talk about him, I can feel him. I can sense his holy presence here. He wants to reveal himself to us today. So we can know him. Sevenfold, Spirit of God. Sevenfold, what does that mean? It means seven in one. Or one in seven. Seven parts of the same one. One expressed in seven different ways or names. Okay? The sevenfold Spirit of God. We also know that the number seven biblically represents what? Fullness or completion, nothing missing, right? So this is a picture of the fullness of the Spirit of God, okay? And, you know, the Holy Spirit, we read as we read throughout the Bible, listen, Genesis to Revelation talks about the Holy Spirit. I mean, we see the Holy Spirit. We sang another song about it, right? In creation, before God even really created anything, it says the Spirit was what? Hovering or moving over the waters, right? The Holy Spirit from beginning to end, we see him in the Bible. He's the Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit has many names. In fact, at least for a couple more weeks today and probably at least two more weeks, we're going to learn more about the names of the Holy Spirit and who he is. But today, we're going to just start with his heavenly name. I call this... The Holy Spirit's heavenly name because we see this is what he's called in front of the throne in heaven. Okay? Anyone interested in knowing who the Holy Spirit's name, what the Holy Spirit's name is in heaven? 
I think we ought to start there, right? Now, fast forward from the Torah to Isaiah. You're not quite there. We're about to read it pretty soon in our daily Bible reading. You're going to read about his name, and this is, this is how, okay? Isaiah prophesies. He was a, a, a prophet in the Old Testament, and one of the main things Isaiah prophesied about was the coming of the Savior, the coming of the Messiah, right? Who we know eventually came. He was Jesus Christ, right? And Isaiah talks a lot about the coming Messiah. And what we're going to see is how he describes him. Are you ready? Let me just say this first. Does anybody know what Messiah or what we say, uh, what, we, what we typically call him in, in English? It comes from Greek. We don't call him typically Messiah. Most of us call him Jesus the Christ, right? Same thing, Messiah, Christ, okay? Does anybody know what the word Christ means? Anointed one, Okay? It means the anointed one, okay? And anointing means to pour oil out on, some, on, on top of some, someone or something, right? To anoint means to pour out on, okay? So what we're going to take a look at is, uh-oh, Christ, the anointed one, Listen, and his anointing, okay? What is it that made Jesus the Christ? Are you following me? Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch, right? Everybody say Jesus. Bearing fruit from the old root. Here we go. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. I want you to take your hands out and let's do that all together. I'm going to read it, okay? It says, out of the stump of David's family line will grow a shoot, yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root, and the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. This is the sevenfold Spirit of God that we read about that we can see through that open door into heaven. The sevenfold Spirit of God. And you know, today, I just want to honor, I want us to honor the Holy Spirit as God. He's God. Listen, the Holy Spirit is not the power of God. The Holy Spirit is more than just the feeling you get when God's presence shows up. The Holy Spirit is more than shiver down your spine and speaking in tongues. The Holy Spirit is more.
than often what we honor him as. The Holy Spirit is God the Spirit. It's the Spirit of God. He's fully and completely God. And right now, I just honor you, Spirit of God. We honor you, Holy Spirit, as God. And we want to know you. We want to know you for who you are. We want to experience you. How about we examine the wonderful sevenfold spirit of God that we see represented by the lampstand, okay? You ready? So we see his seven heavenly names in Isaiah chapter 11. And, the fir- and what I'm going to do, okay, I want you to, to just, maybe you want to follow along in your outline. Maybe you want to jot some of these things down, okay? What we're going to do, I'm going to give you his name. And then, okay, it's represented by a lamp or a candle, okay? And each of the lamps or the candles represents a characteristic of him, okay? And then for each characteristic, I'm going to give you a word or two that will help us know him, okay? Because today we're learning about knowing the Holy Spirit. Who wants to know the Holy Spirit better? Okay, so the first one is the Spirit of the Lord, right? And it's important to remember that in the design God gave Moses for the lampstand, it was about the center And everything else came out from him. But it was all one piece. Wasn't seven different pieces, but there was one center piece from which the other six flowed. And his name is the Spirit of the Lord. Spirit of the Lord. Come on, let's just say his name. Spirit of the Lord. And this one may surprise you. The Spirit of the Lord is our lamp of freedom. The Spirit of the Lord is our lamp of freedom. So where do you get that from? 2 Corinthians 3.16. One of... Many verses I could give you to express this reality. But remember, everything represents a spiritual reality for us now. The Spirit of the Lord, it says, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Oh, you mean like that door in heaven that was closed that got open and all of a sudden we can see in. We can see, okay? Whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away for Listen, for the Lord is the Spirit, just in case you were doubting. The Lord is the Spirit, and the Spirit is the Lord, okay? Again, the Holy Spirit isn't part of God. The Holy Spirit is God, okay? I don't know if I'm the only one that could, I just feel him moving and like, like hovering and 
He wants us to know him. He wants us to enjoy him. It says the whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the spirit. And wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Wow. So all of us who've had that veil removed can what? See and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. As we see Him, we become like Him. Man, I don't know if you're used to this. And if you are new here, I I just want to explain what you're feeling right now. I know I'm not the only one who can feel that. That's the Spirit of God moving on us, moving in our hearts. And He wants to bring you freedom. He is the light. He is the lamp of freedom. You say, how do you get that? Listen, I want to just give you a, a small train of thought, but this train of thought can absolutely set you on a course of total freedom in your life. Are you ready? Okay. The Holy Spirit brings us the freedom, first of all, to be intimate with God. Intimacy. Look, intimacy. If you have a, a, a spouse or a very, very good best friend who knows, listen, Everything about you, we call that intimacy, right? Intimacy means that there's no veil. Intimacy means that I'm not hiding anything. Intimacy means that I'm not trying to hold back anything, right? In a relationship, and we have to understand that when God tore the veil, when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says the veil was torn, So now there's no longer any separation between God and us. Listen, then God sent his spirit to be inside of us. In other words, now God holds nothing back from you. The veil has been torn and we have freedom to be intimate with God. Fully given to him because he's fully given himself to us. Freedom to be intimate. But it does something to us. See, the Holy Spirit brings us freedom to be intimate with God. And intimacy brings freedom from everything that would prevent us from being intimate with God. You say, what about my sin and my shortcomings and my hang-ups? Good news. The blood of Jesus washes it away. But not only that, the Spirit of God replaces that with new life. Freedom. We call it deliverance. You can call him the lamp of deliverance, if you will. In other words... We, we, we get free from our sin to be intimate with God. We can see God. And now in that intimacy, we get free from everything that holds us back from God. 
Isaiah also describes the anointing on Jesus as the anointing that sets the captive free. The Holy Spirit will set you free. You don't have to be bound to anything. You don't have to be addicted to anything. You don't have to bow in slavery to any sin or hang-up or addiction. Because the Spirit of the Lord brings freedom. And listen to me. Today, He can set you free. Even right there where you're sitting. He can set you free from anything. And I just declare that over you today. The anointing of the Holy Spirit that sets you free. And freedom, freedom, all this from that one scripture brings transformation. When I get free, I can become like him. Oh, because he's totally free. He's completely uninhibited. Nothing holds him back. Do you want to live a life where nothing can hold you back? From being who God created you to be, living the life he created you to live, fulfilling the purpose he created you to fulfill. In order to do that, you've got to be free. And as we relate to the Holy Spirit, to the lamp of the Spirit of the Lord, right? We see him clearly. That sets us free. And the more free we get, the more we start looking like him. It says we're changed. I'll read it one more time. We see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the spirit makes us more and more like him as we're changed into his glorious image. Beautiful. You want to be like Jesus? Press into the. Spirit of freedom, the spirit of the Lord. I'll just say this one more before I move on. And this is the one that's going to take the longest to explain because we have to get this first to get the other six. Anything that binds you is not God. Anything that enslaves you is not God. He's the spirit of freedom. He's our lamp of freedom. You say, I'm not totally free. You can be. Press into him. Listen, I want want us to grab this. Don't press into your freedom. Press into him. He'll set you free. Amen? Amen? A lot of times people try, we try to get free from stuff. Rather than pressing into the one who sets us free. I don't know about you, but the more I focus on things that bind me, the more I feel bound. So instead of focusing on trying to get free, focus on the one who brings you freedom. Freedom is the fruit of the Spirit of the Lord in our life. Intimacy brings freedom. Freedom brings transformation. All right, I've got to move on to lamp number two, which is the 
He's called the spirit of wisdom. This is our lamp of wisdom. Anybody need a little wisdom? Come on, get wise now. He's a lamp of wisdom. And I'll just say this very simply, okay? Wisdom is the ability to live right, okay? That's what it really boils down to. I mean, I know that they're, they're, the, the, wisdom is a very big word to unpack. <laughs> but when it really just comes down to the nitty-gritty, a wise person knows how to live right, okay? It doesn't just mean to know a lot. It means to actually know how to do it. Okay? It's the ability to live right. The Holy Spirit, I'm going to give you here this, 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 this word, divine order. Okay? The Holy Spirit, the spirit of wisdom, brings our lives into divine order so we can live and function in the ways of God. If you want to walk in the ways of God, you need wisdom. Right? Wisdom, we could say it's the ability to walk in the ways of God. Does anybody want that? Well, the Holy Spirit, when we press into him more and more, the more we get to know him... The spirit of wisdom brings our lives into divine order. I don't know about you, but I would like some divine order in my family. I'd like some divine order in my finances. I'd like some divine order in my relationships and friendships. The Holy Spirit, the spirit of wisdom wants to show us how to do life. In a fruitful and effective way. Do you want to just live your life and then die? And you're a believer, go to heaven. Okay. Or would you like to live your life in such a way that God can actually fulfill his purposes through your life? That happens when we walk in divine order. And God wants to bring his order to our life. It's the spirit of wisdom. And then we come to the spirit of understanding. So he's our lamp of understanding. From the spirit of the Lord comes wisdom and comes understanding. This is very simple. I'm going to give you one word for this. Clarity. <laughs> Clarity. The, the, the Holy Spirit brings everything into focus. The Holy Spirit brings us clarity to understand God's perfect will for our life. Listen, God's will doesn't need to be vague, confusing, mysterious. No. God wants us to see and know his will clearly. 
He's given us his word and he's given us the spirit of understanding. The fourth heavenly name we could call our lamp of counsel. Anybody need a counselor? He said, I thought only people with issues need counseling. I've yet to meet a human without issues. <laughs> I'm so thankful. Jesus actually called the Holy Spirit the counselor. What a counselor does, if they're a good counselor... And, 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 and Alex and Sarah can vouch for this. One of the top skills of a counselor is the ability to listen well. Am I right? Because you have to know about the person before you can help them. Let me tell you, there's someone who knows you better than anybody else. And better than you know yourself. He's been watching you and listening to you from before you were born. He knows us. So he knows how to counsel us. Let me give you the big word for this one, and that is decisions. Decisions. See, the, 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 the spirit of understanding brings us clarity, but the spirit of counsel or the lamp of counsel helps us make godly decisions. Okay? What our, listen, our life, for the most part, is the result of the sum of our decisions, right? Now, I'm not saying that there aren't things on the outside that affect us that are out of our control, but even then, we decide how we respond to every situation and circumstance. So... What our life ends up being is the result of the sum of all of our decisions. And all of you, or at least most of you, said you want to walk with God and fulfill his purpose for your life, right? So I don't know about you, but I need some help making decisions. I don't want to depend, another verse says, we don't lean on our own understanding. There is someone who understands you perfectly and understands everything perfectly. And he will counsel you and help you make right decisions if you allow him. Come on, somebody. See, I need you, counselor. The spirit of counsel. But, oh, I love. You know, in, in fact, actually, let me say this. This phrase really stood out to me. God doesn't need me to make decisions. He needs me to listen. Isn't that why we go to counseling? If you've ever gone to counseling? Isn't that the purpose of having a counselor? So that you don't try to just make decisions, but you actually listen and get insight before you decide? That just sets me free. God doesn't need me to be this wow, amazing decision maker. He needs me to be a good listener. 
He needs me to listen to the Holy Spirit counseling me and based on that counsel, decide things. And then the Holy Spirit doesn't just tell us the will of God. He actually gives us the power to do the will of God because he's the spirit of might. He's our lamp of might. He tells us what to do and gives us the power to do it. There's a verse in Ephesians that describes grace as this. God is working in me, say in me, to give me both the desire and the power to do what pleases him. He gives us the counsel, the desire, the wisdom, the understanding, and then he actually empowers us with his might to go and do what he shows us. Man. I don't want to be a Christian that just hears the voice of God. I want to be a man of God. I want you to be a woman of God who does what he tells you. Oh, and the Bible says it's not by our power. It's not by our might. But by the spirit of the Lord. He's the spirit of might. He's the mighty one. Who now dwells inside of us. Oh, we hadn't learned much about that yet. Come back next Sunday. We're going to learn how he lives in us. But he's the spirit of might. I found this in my own personal life. The Holy Spirit displaces discouragement and he replaces it with boldness. Instead of being discouraged, I get bold to do what I know he's showing me to do. The Holy Spirit displaces my weakness. Anybody weak? <laughs> and he replaces it with the authority to do what he's telling me to do. And the Holy Spirit, come on, listen. This is a buzzword of this generation. And we need to stop saying it. Look at me. Listen to me. Stop saying my insecurity. Look at me. Stop using that phrase. It's my insecurity. It's my anxiety. It's my fear. I'm just discovering all my insecurities. Newsflash, we all got them. No one you've ever seen in history that was bold and had authority and did great things did so because they didn't have any insecurity. They just did it anyway. The problem is we're looking at our insecurity rather than looking at the spirit of might. Yes, we're weak. But in, his, in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. When I am weak, then I am strong, right? He's the spirit of might. He wants to replace your insecurity 
Listen, I want us to do something, all right? Even if you're like, I don't know about that. I want you to just do it, and I want you to try it. Let's change that phrase and say this, my security. Last time I checked, Christ is the solid rock on which I stand. He doesn't change. He doesn't shake. He doesn't crack. He doesn't crumble. He's the solid rock. I'm not the solid rock, but I have a solid rock upon which I stand. I am secure. He's the lifter of your head. I want you to lift your head. Not pridefully, not arrogantly, but knowing the rock upon which you stand. Knowing that he who put those desires in you gives you the power to carry them out. Because he's the spirit of might. I done run out of time, but he is the lamp of knowledge. Anybody need to know anything? Have you ever needed to know something you didn't know? Come on, I know that sounds silly, but listen. Have you ever needed to know something you didn't know? And then when you find it out, we call that revelation. Revelation. When you find out something you didn't know. I don't know about your God, but my God says, call unto me and I'll show you things you didn't know. Does your God say that to you? He wants to show you things you didn't know. He's the spirit of knowledge. The Holy Spirit shows us things we don't know on our own. He gives us the ability to create and manage in areas of our life in which we have no training or ability. <laughs> Finally, he's the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Ooh. Something happens when you get to know the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you become very aware of God. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you don't see God as far away. You know him as right here, right now, always, all the time. See, the fear of the Lord is often misunderstood. We think fear as being afraid. But I want to propose this to you today. The fear of the Lord is an awareness of Him. This is something that I've been pressing into since I was a teenager, actually. To really walk in the fear of the Lord. And 26 years into this, I've come to realize that what the fear of the Lord really is, is that I am keenly aware that he is watching me 
all the time. He watches my thoughts. He hears my words. He sees my attitudes. He knows the motives of my heart. He sees how I treat others. He sees what I look at. He hears what I hear. He touches what I touch. He goes where I go. I don't know about you, but that makes me want to please him. Because he sees everything. He's the lamp that shines. If there's one word I could give you about this, it would be integrity. The Holy Spirit helps us to walk in integrity. Integrity means all the time, nothing lacking, full, complete. To walk in integrity, listen, to walk in integrity means I'm the same dude here, at home, on the freeway, at Publix, alone on a mountaintop. In a crowd of 10,000. The Holy Spirit, listen, the Holy Spirit will help us live a life of innocence. So we've all lost our innocence. Yeah, but the Holy Spirit will restore that as we walk in the fear of the Lord. Purity. Purity in the way in our sexuality, purity in the way we handle money, purity in the way we treat people. It's called integrity. Integrity means I'm not one person here and somebody else there. Why? Because God sees me both here and there. It's the fear of the Lord. Because of the fear of the Lord, I want to walk in integrity. <laughs> Is this blessing anybody today? This took a little longer than, than I wanted. And, you know, I'll just go ahead and ask the Holy Spirit. Um, we're almost to the worship team. I want to ask the Holy Spirit to show us just real quick. And, and the thing is, I can explain it, but only he can show you. Let me give you an example of how this works. This is one of infinite combinations. Are you ready? Fear of the Lord, wisdom, freedom. I want you to say it. Fear of the Lord, wisdom, freedom. The Bible says that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Now, if I'm living right, I'm going to be free. Okay? So... If I'm walking in the fear of the Lord, I'll watch my steps to live wisely, to live in integrity, to live right. And as I do that, I'm free. I'm not tangled up in anything. That's just one. When I tap into the spirit of the fear of the Lord, it leads me to the spirit of wisdom. <laughs> and as I'm 
living according to the spirit of wisdom, I'm going to live in freedom. Now, we could go through, again, I don't know how many combinations we could make of those seven. But I want to ask the Holy Spirit, show you. Show you the power of this relationship with him. See, the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is wonderful. He's the Father's promise. He's the gift of Jesus. As RJ said, Jesus said, it's better when I go because then, basically, I'll come. (laughs) But into you by the Holy Spirit. And just like the Old Testament priest had to keep the lamp burning continually, day and night. They were never allowed to let it go out. That's a picture of how we're supposed to live our lives. Always. Listen, may it never be said of me, I used to be, he used to be on fire. Back when I was on fire. No, we need to live on fire. Not with our own fire, but with his fire. We need to keep the lamp of the Spirit burning. Paul told his son, his disciple Timothy, he told him, fan the flame, right? Fan the flame. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.